0: You ever watch this guy on television? You all were not telling
1: the truth, and you should not be trusted. Congressman
0: Matt Gates, thank you for what you yeah. did for your country tonight. Be
1: offended with the Democratic whip, not House Republicans. Like a machine, Matt Gates. Welcome to Hot Takes. This is Congressman Matt Gates. Let's talk about the news. Big news in the Justice Department, Southern District of New York has arrested Jelaine Maxwell. This is the girlfriend the fellow groomer of Jeffrey Epstein that was involved in a lot of this activity with underage girls where a lot of people are still seeking justice. So she has been arrested. She is in custody and awaiting what I perceive will be likely a superseding indictment uh, with the evidence that will be acquired by the Justice Department. Here's my hot take. This was not about sex with Jeffrey Epstein and Jelaine Maxwell. This was about power, and this was about leverage. If you look at what was going on in this particular period of time, the United States was gearing up for the Iraq War. And if you look at the type of people that Epstein was getting into compromising positions, you saw leaders in politics, leaders in academia, leaders in business that were on his flights, that were in his orbit, that were in his friend group. And it's my belief that... The reason this compromising material was being acquired, the reason that these men were being introduced to these young girls, the reason a lot of it was, uh, I think, recorded when you look at just the volume of tapes that were there. Like, I don't think those tapes are just going to be Epstein and Maxwell with these girls. I think that the tapes largely exist so that they could have leverage on people. And at a time of war and international conflict, there are just a lot of different international entities that have an incentive to ensure that the United States is acting consistent with, with their views. So if you look at Maxwell, her background, her family background, there's connection with intelligence services, There, there is, uh, I think, likely to be a nexus, not just with domestic activity but with international activity and international players. We'll see. Let's keep her alive and let's bring the perpetrators to justice. Washington, D.C. Mayor Mariel Bowser established a several-block area in Northwest Washington as Black Lives Matter Plaza. And listen to her describe the purpose of that designation.
2: we commissioned um, was the Black Lives Matter mural, uh, and it's become a centering point, a place for healing, um, strategizing, talking, but also redress, um, which is a a right in America where citizens from all over the country come to their nation's capital uh, to deliver grievances at the footstep of the people's house. But that's
1: not what happened. We didn't see love and harmony and strategizing and coming together in unity. On the 4th of July, there's a piece from the Daily Caller that describes a very different scene at Black Lives Matter Plaza. Where the American flag is being trampled on and burned, where protesters are chanting
2: f- "the Fourth of July, f- the American flag—that's what we're—that's what we're saying." So this
1: isn't a place that Muriel Bowser has established for the purpose of joy and togetherness and unity. It's a place that people come to express hate—hate hate for our country, hate for our nation's independence, hate for our founding, for our flag—and it's just un worthy of our nation's capital to give so much credence to a movement that is expressly designed not to heal racial tension. That should always be an admirable goal. Not to bring our nation together or improve policing, but to in fact demonize the very founding principles of our country. Shame on Mayor Bowser for establishing this designation And shame on those people who are so ungrateful and unappreciative for the benefits of America that they would go out and trample on our flag and demean the greatest country on earth. Big breaking news. The CEOs of the major technology companies in the United States of America are coming before the House Judiciary Committee to testify in our ongoing bipartisan antitrust probe. Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook, Tim Cook from Apple, Jeff Bezos from Amazon, Sundar Pichai from Google, will be sitting next to one another before the House Judiciary Committee, answering questions about their compliance with antitrust laws, with their anti-competitive practices, and with uh, a real understanding as to how our existing laws tend to benefit, protect, and And indemnify big tech while squeezing out opportunities for new platforms better consumer experiences and more freedom online so there are two areas where i think that you'll see this hearing go first is when it comes to products Uh, the vertical integration at amazon is particularly concerning there are circumstances and experiences that we have uncovered in our investigation where people submit their products and then Amazon finds a way to steal the IP, replicate the tech, and then provide the product at a lower cost, harming the, the innovator who is often American and benefiting a manufacturer willing to cheat often in China or, or some other Asian country where there is not substantial protection of intellectual property. And then I think you'll also see concern over thought and speech. Uh, and the extent to which entities like Google and Facebook in particular curate the information that they want and enhance it, and then suppress the information that's not consistent with their with their political beliefs. And if you want to check out Project Veritas, look at their exposed Google project, their exposed Facebook project, you see that the very people who are engineering and tending to these algorithms, and reviewing the content are pretty brazen in their unguarded moments about their willingness to harm people that say MAGA or Donald Trump or America First. And then if there's anything critical of the administration, they do everything they can to elevate it. I mean, look, you, you see that on Apple just if you're a podcast listener. I mean, you, you can find podcasts now that are way elevated in the rankings beyond their subscriptions, beyond their plays, beyond their ratings, just by virtue of the fact that their content seems to lead into this recharged sense of American wokeness. And it, and it doesn't have to do with objectivity. And so whether that is in what people think or what they buy, we have antitrust laws to protect against that type of market domination. Now you might hear some more libertarian purists suggests that these antitrust laws are unconstitutional, that we just ought to allow the free market to operate, and the extent to which the government interferes with that marketplace is is only a, a pollution of our purest economic freedoms. But that is not the view that I hold. When you look at the power that these technologies have to define society and life and commerce and speech it, it simply cannot be ignored. And the laws that we have do give us tools to go in and, and modify conduct and modify the consumer experience. The question will be whether or not we have the bipartisan will to execute on those existing laws. And And I think that we can do it. I think we should do it. And I'm proud that my colleague David Cicilline, a Democrat from Rhode Island, has negotiated the physical presence of these major CEOs of tech platforms. It will be a historic hearing in the Congress. I'll be there, and I can't wait to fight for consumers and to fight for freedom online. President Trump delivered an amazing speech at Mount Rushmore, drawing Americans together to meet the challenge that we face from those who would want to replace America with something different, with something diminished, with something explicitly Marxist. We will not embrace that return to the second world. We are an innovative, forward-looking, patriotic nation. Here are the words of the president.
0: In our schools, our newsrooms, even our corporate boardrooms, there is a new far-left fascism that demands absolute allegiance If you do not speak its language, perform its rituals, recite its mantras, and follow its commandments, then you will be censored, banished, blacklisted, persecuted, and punished. It's not going to happen to us. Make no mistake, this left-wing cultural revolution is designed to overthrow the American Revolution. That is why I am deploying federal law enforcement to protect our monuments, arrest the rioters, and prosecute offenders to the fullest extent of the law. America's destiny is in our sights. America's heroes are embedded in our hearts. America's future is in our hands. And ladies and gentlemen, the best is yet to come.
1: America is seeing coronavirus cases surge. And we're also seeing the average age of people with coronavirus really start to plummet. So what we're learning is that you cannot successfully tell young people who do not fear this virus in terms of their own personal safety not to congregate because they they will simply ignore those orders. There is no mechanism by which our country can literally lock down life to the point that teenagers and college students, uh, people in their 20s, aren't going to find a way to one another when they personally don't fear the virus. Now, they should be concerned about the virus. They should be far more concerned about the virus than they are because young people can be vectors to our older Americans, to medically fragile individuals, and this is is highly contagious. But what we cannot do is go back down into the lockdown cycle for all Americans, because doing so has a real negative consequence on lives. This is something I've talked about on the podcast, locking people up with their abusers, mental health, the economic severity of a job loss on the life of a family and just the core of of an American family. But there is a really good piece that puts some meat on the bone from the Washington Post. Uh, It's a piece by William Wan and Heather Long. Crisis for help. Drug overdoses are soaring during the coronavirus pandemic. And the data they analyzed talks about how suspected overdoses nationally jumped 18% in March. 29 percent in april and then 42 percent in may and this was data collected from ambulance teams hospitals and police and this is not a linear increase this was an exponential increase and so when we weigh the cost of lives potentially lost from coronavirus with the cost of these lockdowns i think that the policy choices become clear we have to tell people like my parents Who are medically fragile, who are in their 70s, who do have underlying comorbidities, to stay home, to stay locked up, and to limit their interaction with people. And then for younger folks who are going to interact with people, we've seen that. The data shows it in Florida and throughout the country. We need exquisite testing, we need enhanced hygiene, we need cooperation with the private sector to ensure that when people are getting food or engaging in other essential services, that they are protected. And then we need to do everything we can to accelerate the therapeutics and the vaccines. If you look at the progress we've already made with rendesivir, with hydroxychloroquine, uh, I think that we will get there. Uh, But in this interim time, uh, it is likely that the Congress is going to be developing Uh, more tools for businesses to keep people employed. Uh, And I think that as a society, we've got to become more resilient and we cannot just rely on government to do that. But it's critically important this week and likely next week, as we hear louder calls for enhanced shutdowns, to think about the lives that are not just impacted, but that are lost as a consequence of shutting down American life. So let's think about our fellow Americans. Let's be smart. Let's be targeted and let's do everything we can to defeat coronavirus without losing the optimism that is inherent to this great American experience that we've had under the Trump administration. Let's bring America back. These job numbers are improving. People want to spend money. They want to be confident about America. And let's give them every reason to do that with smart policy responses to coronavirus. Black Lives Matter supports the deconstruction of the American family, of marriages, of an, a number of things that we've come to utilize for societal stability and success in our country. Marcellus Wiley was a phenomenal defensive lineman for the Dallas Cowboys, a true standout. Now he is a commentator on the NFL, and he gave an interview that I think really offers a, an important word of caution When you look at the NFL's embrace of this Black Lives Matter movement and its dangerous ideology, here's Marcellus Wiley.
2: My family structure is so vital, important to me. Not only the one I grew up in, but the one I'm trying to create right now. Being a father and a husband, that's my mission in life right now. How do I reconcile that, what I just told you, with this mission statement that says, quote, we dismantle the patriarchal practice. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement. When I know statistics, when I know my reality, forget statistics. I knew this before I even went to Columbia and saw these same statistics that I'm going to read to you right now. That children from single parent homes versus two parent homes. The children from the single parent homes. This is in 1995. I was reading this five times more likely to commit suicide, six times more likely to be in poverty, nine times more likely to drop out of high school, 10 times more likely to abuse chemical substances, 14 times more likely to commit rape, 20 times more likely to end up in prison, and 32 times more likely to run away from home. I knew that. You know why I knew it? Because a lot of my friends didn't have family structures that were nuclear like mine, and they found themselves outside of their dreams and goals and aspirations. So when I see that, or as a mission statement for Black Lives Matter, it makes me scratch my head. When I also see their mission is to eradicate white supremacy. In 2020, white supremacy is the mission. Woo! That's a lot of digging through minutia right there. I am on a show that I'm hosting along with another black guy who is hosting with me who replaced another black guy. And that's just one example of it. So I understand I respect your space. I respect what you're protesting for. But will you respect others who don't support that same
1: protest? Jason Reed with ESPN is reporting that the NFL will play the Black National Anthem before week one games. Uh, This song, Lift Every Voice and Sing, is traditionally known as the Black National Anthem. And uh, they will play it before the Star Spangled Banner. I, I am flabbergasted by this. America is one nation we have one national anthem and we have one unified destiny the fact that the nfl is doing this does not upset me because of some you know elevation of some group of people it bothers me because it divides us as a country like we don't have a hispanic national anthem and an asian national anthem we have an american national anthem and and i think that Part of what makes our country special is that people come here to embrace the values of Americanism, and those are values that have made up a tremendously successful mosaic of people and experiences and successes for our country. How can we continue to advance America under the concept that we rise and fall together if we continue to divide ourselves into more and more distinct groups? and and i think ultimately if you if you have to divide your, yourself into groups uh for some sense of grievance or victimhood that's all the more challenging and troubling and concerning and i that seems to be what this is like they they're not playing the na- the black national anthem as the consequence of some celebration they're playing it out of grievance and i think that we lose the uniqueness of the bond we have as americans if we allow that to persist, so it's it's really disgusting that the NFL would would stoop to division and uh, the the acceptance of different Americas rather than one unified nation. And I think that they will see a, a resulting decline in their fan base as a consequence. I mean, the NFL took a hit in terms of valuation, in terms of viewership, in terms of the the economic impact of their television contracts and merchandising sales when they decided to embrace elements of the kneeling for the flag, which is something I don't support. And so now you continue to see these elements of Americanism attacked by the NFL, watered down by the NFL, and this is not the action of a great institution within American life. I think that you're going to see the NFL decline in terms of its social significance in our country. And that's a shame, because it, it was something that used to bring families together. People would have barbecues, invite their neighbors and friends over, cheer for their favorite teams, develop rivalries and, and you know, fun leagues at work, uh, to test each other's knowledge of sports. And now you see something far different: uh, sports being used as a divisive feature of American society. Be better, NFL. Love America more. the real America. All of America, unified under one flag and one anthem. Chris Osborne at The National Interest has a phenomenal piece on the F-35 and the next generation of warfare launched from the skies. I care a lot about the F-35 program. We've got a number of these aircraft bed down in my district in northwest Florida. Here's the innovation. Imagine an F-35 that is not just a platform for missiles, but then also can essentially birth and launch out a swarm of drones that can then be controlled from the F-35. So instead of just one aircraft engaged, if you get the aircraft into the airspace you need, you then have essentially a swarm that you're able to control to overwhelm air defense systems. You know, one of the challenges that we face in North Korea, one of the challenges we face when looking at China as a near-peer threat is that they've really developed some, some high-end air defense systems. But if we're able to have the stealth capabilities of the F-35 then linked to the swarming drone capabilities birthed out of the F-35, it is really going to be a force multiplier. It is my belief that we are not going to win the wars of the future against our near-peer adversaries and against near-power competition just with the airplanes alone. It's going to take the right missile systems, weapon systems, and so we have to view the aircraft not as an end unto itself, but as essentially an innovation platform so that these new Capabilities can be added on and can be developed. So I'm really excited about this. Check out the piece in the national interest. The United States of America must always hold the high ground. Thanks for listening to Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates, And you'll likely be listening to Kanye West on his upcoming new album before you're listening to him deliver a stump speech on a presidential campaign. Kanye announces his presidential aspirations via Twitter with a hashtag Vision 2020. He obviously has an album coming out. This is obviously a publicity stunt. He got some attention when Elon Musk, his friend uh, who had posted a picture with Kanye, I think uh, in the prior day, tweeted out that Kanye had Elon Musk's full support. Well, I think that's support for the publicity stunt. And for the album, I like Kanye's music. I'm going to buy the album. I'm going to listen to the album. It, it seems to have some faith-based tones to it. And Kanye's always a magical lyricist. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe not so much the presidential run, but I don't think we have to worry about that. Tune in tomorrow. Make sure to like and subscribe on whatever your podcast platform is. And we look forward to you listening again for more Hot Takes.